The brain processes nearly 10,000 visual and oral cues per minute. As first impressions stick, make the customer see your business in the right way. Funky Vibes can ensure your vibes attract the right tribe with their marketing expertise, graphic design, bespoke websites, and social media packages. For more information or a no-commitment initial consultation, simply email your tribe at funkyvibe.co.uk. You're listening to Go Fish, exclusively on the Pod Station. Welcome everyone to episode 56 of the Go Fish Business Tips podcast. My name is Mark Pollard and my business is Funky Vibes Marketing. Joining me as always are my wonderful co-hosts. We have the debonair uh, Mr. Chris Roxburgh of My Marketing Guy. How are we doing, Chris? Doing very well, thank you. Those 56 have just flown by, haven't they? <laughs> haven't they just? Um, and uh, the lovely Ishtar Ali of Ancora Interiors. Hello. How, How are, we? are we? I'm good, thank you. And yourself? I'm good. We're we're not alone anymore this week. Um, are, are we ever alone? I mean, that's a debate. <laughs> that's a big as debate. As to whether Mark. or not there's aliens. Indeed. And UFOs. I was simply referring to the networking discussion we had a couple of weeks ago, where it was just the two of us. Oh, of course. Okay. <laughs> Did you wonder where she was going with that as well? I did, because we were surrounded by people the last time we got together at the the Liverpool Business Fair. But you had the Lurgy last time we recorded, so are you feeling better, Mr Roxburgh? I am feeling better, thank you, yes. Wonderful. Yes, it wasn't very nice for uh, four or five days, but it wasn't COVID, but the other other viruses are available. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) If they'd like to be a sponsor of the show. (laughs) Um, So, what is the topic that we're going to be covering today? Solopreneurs. Do you want to explain that? Because I can't even say it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Solopreneurs is an interesting topic to discuss, I think, and um, one that will resonate with many people. So, we're going to be talking about having that transition of working from um, coming from a big corporate environment or a small corporate environment or working with with a big group and then becoming a solopreneur, which means running a business on your own so we're going to be talking about absolutely everything to do with how you manage your time and how you stay in a positive mental health and well-being frame of mind and yeah talk a bit all about you know what it's like from our experiences basically indeed now if the sound quality has changed slightly from what you're usually used to we've we've got a temporary home haven't we at the is it the vincent de paul we Center are at the vincent de paul in, in birkenhead and uh, we're going to be here for just a couple of weeks while we pitch up with our our new recording area so if it's if the sound quality is a bit more tint oh mr roxburgh turn your phone on <laughs> that's definitely not of course it is no one else has the phone on <laughs> fair enough <laughs> proceed uh, so yeah, we're, we're currently at the Vincent de Paul Centre. We'll be there for a couple of weeks whilst we sort out our new recording location. So if the sound is a little more tinny and echoey than normal, apologies. But we are thankful for them to for giving us some space to do our recording. So absolutely, shout out. That's that's what I forgot to mention. I got you back. Don't worry. Yeah, they, they do have a food bank here. So if anyone wants to make some donations, there's a good place to do to do that uh, indeed just rack up with whatever it is food food tins of food, food probably yeah back yeah. to the toiletries 
no. Yeah, it used. looked like they had lots of things down there, so they were good deed people. Indeed. Um, obviously, this is episode 56, so if you want to listen to all the previous episodes, and if you go to the podstation.co.uk forward slash goldfish, you can check them all out there. There's links as well to all of the major podcast platforms where you can listen to them. If you subscribe every time an episode drops, and it's usually every fortnight, then... Um, it will automatically download onto your device of choice. We will very shortly have a Go Fish podcast website up and running. It is nearly done. <laughs> Do you know you almost said all of that without taking a breath? Did I? Yeah, it was pretty pretty impressive. I was watching. I was breathing out of my <laughs> in insert phrase here. <laughs> yes. Um, so yes, uh, get in touch if you want to send us an email. It's goldfish at thepodstation.co.uk. If you've got any questions, either for us or if there's any suggestions of topics, yes, please um, send us a DM on social media. Yeah, if there's anything you we've said that you want to pick up upon, uh, that's always a good way of doing it. Reviews would be good too. Reviews, which you can do on the podcast platforms themselves, they are very helpful because it does make the podcast more visible to Joe public and or joette public uh, which on the basis that this is designed to help people would be in itself a good deed i feel um and also you can check us out on social media we're on all of the major platforms so at linkedin instagram facebook twitter youtube um we post a plethora of stuff and you can also dm us on there as well you can slide into our DMs, as the kids say. And we'll slide back out. <laughs> Is that really what the kids say? <laughs> Hope the kids over the age of 18. Um, right, moving swiftly on to our topic. <laughs> so, topic for today, on the basis that Ish, you suggested this topic, yeah. uh, perhaps you should lead us off here and, and perhaps explain why this popped into your head in the first place well look being a solopreneur is not an easy thing to do um we've all been in a situation where we have been part of larger organizations before and i don't think anything really or or anyone can really prepare you for that transition from that group organization to just working solo i think everybody has this dream that being an entrepreneur and working on your own and not having a boss is like the best thing ever because you have all this flexibility and you know you can do what you want and you can be as creative as you need to be with what you're doing but actually there's so many good things and bad things that kind of go with that and i think through all of our journeys we've kind of been had had an exposure and had some experiences related to the good and the bad so I thought that it would be really useful for small businesses to really understand a little bit more about our perspectives and our journey um, in case it's helpful I guess so I think if we maybe start off with like how that transition worked for us that might be a good starting point okay so do you want to start with sorry go on Chris I think think the the biggest difference when you when you set up purely and simply on your own as to opposed to in my case perhaps working with 30 people um it's the it's it's literally the fact you have to do everything for yourself you have all the hats to wear and that uh, that dawns on you when you're setting when you're setting it up when you well where do i go for for such oh it's me 
uh, where do I, how do I do such? Oh, I've got to find out. It, it's not a question of asking somebody else with that speciality, could they, uh, could they do X, Y, Z, which I'm sure you two have been in a position to do in the past. Um, it's, it's doing everything yourself, and you have to get your head around that. You have to be prepared to wear very, very many hats uh, and be prepared to bite the bullet and pay for outsourcing one or two of the hats that uh, that you have no specialism in, such as law, accountancy, and others that'll crop up during the course of this podcast, I'm sure. Absolutely. But initially, law and accountancy are important when you're setting up. When did you become a solopreneur? And, and I suppose I would caveat this with not just you are just a sole person in the business, that might be that you start off there, but the business then evolves into staff because, of course, you you had a business yeah. which had a large number of staff, but presumably the business started from a seedling at some point, i.e. you yeah. were a solopreneur. You didn't just walk in one day and go, right, we're going to hire a million staff. Well, no, I was relatively lucky in that respect. And when I originally set up in 1995 there were i had two other co-directors with me so the three of us shared that responsibility but in uh, 10 years ago around about 10 years ago it was just me on my own um, and that was a big difference from going from <clears> that having the support of a two other directors and 27 staff to nothing um just you get on with it and what sort what sort of time frame was there between when you set up that business in 1995 with the three of you to when you hired your first member of staff? Uh, oh, a couple of months. Okay, so during those two months, w- did you experience it as a, a solopreneur, or would was it on the basis that you all had different skill sets that you could draw upon that made life different to when you set up my marketing yeah. guy when you are literally on your own? Absolutely, Mark. We all did have different skill sets. Um, so it, it was a totally different animal to, uh, to, to working purely as a solopreneur, um, which is both scary and exciting at the same time. Okay. And Ish, what was your story? How did you go from where you went from to the solopreneur definition? So in my function, I were, in my previous corporate function, I was head of HR and head of corporate projects, basically. So I had a really good understanding of how um, a business functioned because I was basically the number two to the CEO. So I'd, I'd worked very closely across multifunctions. So then starting my own business, I felt almost a bit more confident that I kind of had a good understanding of what accounting is especially because I was HR I write the job description so (laughs) a little bit like I know what the role involves and I might not know technical stuff because I'm not a technical expert but I kind of have an overview but honestly similar to what you said Chris I mean it's an absolutely different ball game when you have to be the accounts payable person, the accounts receivable person, the contracts administrator. I mean, what the hell? It's like really scary. And again, really, really like similar to you, Chris, that, you know, when you're starting off, the the number of hats that you have to wear is really, really overwhelming. So although I had 15 years of corporate experience at a high level where I understood what functions were, it was a massive transition to kind of then having to do the do um, and outsource it where it was required. Um, yeah. 
Okay, so what were the biggest challenges that we faced? We'll start with you, Mr. Roxburgh, when you decided to fly solo. What 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 made you decide to go solo as opposed to sort of teaming up with people like you did Previously. the first time round? Mm. Um, I I preferred to have sole responsibility for my own uh, my own future, really. Okay. Um, Rather than, I mean, during that period of time, I've not employed anybody, but I have collaborated with a lot of people, um, and I think um, I think that certainly was the right way to go for me. I was talking to somebody yesterday who started at a similar time to me, and he uh, employs three people now, and he's looking to employ more, and that's fine for him. Um, that's uh, that's absolutely fine and dandy, but it wouldn't do for me. I would prefer these days collaboration rather than um, all those responsibilities of employing people because that's just another minefield. I mean, talk about solopreneur. Once you become an entrepreneur employing people, um, the... <laughs> The, the the rules and regs around uh, employment law are, are are a whole different scale. So um, just be aware of that before you do. That's a really interesting point, actually. That was one question that I just noted down. Like, and maybe it's one for at the end of the show in terms of in hindsight, would we consider still being solopreneurs when we set up our businesses, or would we have collaborated? Because I'm very much similar to what you think. I think oh. I I went into it. I think you have to have a level of trust if you're going into a, a business partnership with somebody else because obviously you might be mates, but then when you run a business, you've got to be really like put your business hat on so it might not yeah. always be sunshine and roses. So you need to be able to assess whether or not a relationship that you have with somebody is going to withstand the you know challenges that you'll face when you're running a business. But um, I, I, I definitely went into solopreneurship not out of choice, but just because that was the only option that I had. Um, and to answer the question that I'm going to pose later but already now like I totally would have preferred to do that with somebody else I think because you're absolutely spot on I think it's a lot of pressure for people um, to kind of manage a business so to do again you wouldn't do it yourself you'd I would pref- buddy up with I would someone buddy, I would prefer to buddy up with someone but it's and which is easier said than done though because you have to find someone who one wants to do the similar kind of work to you and you're going to gel really well with and that's really a difficult thing. I mean, look how long people take to find partners in life. Bloody hell, can you imagine them trying to find somebody to run a business and become profitable with and share the challenges of that? It's a really big deal. Yeah. yeah. I, I, there's two questions. Before before I pose the, the question, um, that, that was quite an interesting thing you mentioned about finding the right person to buddy up with. I, as a lawyer, I used to come across this so many times where people came up with these great ideas having met one another I don't know over a networking event and they'd be like oh that's a great idea we should do that and then everyone's all full of beans and it's great and then they come to you going oh this is brilliant and then you sort of start trying to get them to put in directors agreements or partnership agreements you know things that are fundamental because as a lawyer you always knew because you used to deal with it on a daily basis that at some point they'd fall out over how many pencils they should order um, in the stationery and whether or not the letterhead should be blue or should be red and that then causes the whole business to just fall on its on its bum absolutely and and not having the 
the fail safes in, in place just to set out exactly what the solutions to those problems are yeah. was always very very difficult because they're full of the, the they're in Beans. the honeymoon yeah they're full of the honeymoon it, period aren't they and it's inevitable yeah oh totally you will fall out with even with your best friend you will fall out with them about something at some point it's then how would you deal with it is your relationship strong enough subject to the issue you're arguing over because it depends what it is really mm, yeah. have you been stealing money well don't matter how good your relationship has been nope. that that's something that might be insurmountable yeah um, is it just should we hire or fire a member of staff well you might have a different opinion um, and you might be able to talk it through and reach a, 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 an amicable conclusion yeah. if yeah. you can't is there a piece of paper that says if a happens b or c are your options and this is how it's decided yeah. just removes all of that and i guess as a, a solopreneur you don't have any of that headache no. and you can hire and fire your collaborations to suit your mood really yeah but obviously if you wanted to go down the um partnership route there are that having that divorce contract really really clearly stipulated at the beginning of that relationship is the key isn't it and my boss always used to say that so i wouldn't I, i mean i would love to have found somebody that i could have got into that relationship with but yeah otherwise you're absolutely right the solopreneur thing just means you've got a different kind of headache but you'd be amazed how many people a are listening to this and how many small businesses that i come across won't have those documents in place really important guys. absolutely won't oh my have god them. get your legal paperwork in check um i've actually got a great contact for people if they do so get in touch with that and we'll, we'll quite happily send you details because they've got a product which solves this at a really really reasonable price so you're not necessarily spending hundreds of pounds getting these things done because of course money's tight when you start out or you're a small business so these things do help yeah also i came across rather than using a fully fledged legal team contracts administrators teams who are like paralegals but have like uh indemnity insurances so those are usually really good options if you just want to have simple contracts put in place but that are bespoke for your business so also check out those i think that's a a a good shout on a resource tip yeah you gave us an indication of the answer to this question earlier on mr oxborough about being a solopreneur and whether or not you would be interested in transitioning from that into an entrepreneur i.e it's more than just you in the business, whether yeah. it be a business partner or a member of staff, yeah. um, you've sort of indicated that you're not interested in making that transition. Absolutely not. What about you, Miss Ali? Where do you sit on this? I, is, I want a is... team of a million people <laughs> <laughs> and I want to grow my business. Um, but that's just because I don't want to be doing the do all of the time. I'm doing the do right now because I don't have a, any other options and I want to create a brand that represents what i want to create but i would love to be able to service more people and achieve the goals that i have by hiring people that can do that and also because i have plans to you know take over the world at some point and little old me can't do it on my own and this is all about being being on different stages of, of life solopreneur so i wasn't going to be as brutal as well that, life as well though i was going I to say i was going way, to though. say different stages of the solopreneur 
career. Um, we'll go with your version. But, you know, when at your age, I was doing exactly what you're, you're planning on. Yeah. Um, and employing, you know, not employing, but uh, over a period of time, we, we employed a lot of people. Just if you do go down that route, Ishtar, uh, I, I know you're savvy enough not to fall into to too many traps, but um, just be just be so careful about who you employ. Yeah, it's a trust issue then. Isn't I mean, it? it's quite interesting because we've got three stages here because I've been a solopreneur who then created turned myself into an entrepreneur, and then I've sort of revised myself back to a solopreneur again. So. Uh, I, I, what I'm doing now in my business is, is much the same as I was doing when I set up uh, my law firm and it was that was largely or rather the absence of, of staff was largely down to the fact that it was a new business and we were just getting everything into into position at this time round I'm not in as big a I wouldn't say rush because that indicates that I was rushing the first time or that there was something wrong with the way I did it the first time but I'm bit more hesitant why in employing staff as opposed to doing collaborations with people who are self-employed and therefore if something goes wrong it lands firmly on their lap and i can get rid of them if they don't do the job properly it's like okay you're gone so we're talking about outsourcing or freelancers yeah, yeah. more than staff um because at its peak the biggest headache in my day was dealing with staff. Uh, it was checking their work. It was answering their questions. And I was going in before opening hours and staying after closing hours to do my work with me doing pretty much everyone else's work. And I, I don't mean that as in they weren't doing work, but sort of dealing with the things that yeah, come up yeah. as part and parcel of them doing their job um, during that working day. The the benefit was it did free you up because you weren't all things to all people like you are as a, a solopreneur. So I had accounts person to do the accounting bit, business manager to do the business manager bit. I had staff to do the running the cases. What that then frees you up for being able to do is go out and get some work um, or you know, you, you're not all things to all people although technically you still are because you still have to check all these things so the accounts people still give you the account stuff you have to look at and verify but you're just not doing the same level of donkey work you've actually got a greater responsibility yeah and and your own work um so that that, that's what it boils down to so solopreneurs are us yeah, well, I, I'm happy to. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of still of the opinion where I would like to get people in at some point, yeah. or get it to a stage where I'm delegating more stuff yeah, yeah. than I am doing at the minute. Um, but I'm not in any rush to employ people in the same way as I did originally, because right, okay. paying people a wage packet each month doesn't seem to have the same incentive to get jobs done and to have them done to the same quality as i find at the moment in this area anyway mm. um uh, as as a self-employed or a, a contracted person well, does with my hr hat on i would encourage any new business that wants to employ people to get an hr consultant in to make sure that you have the right processes and procedures and templates in place to deal with anything because at the end of the day it's about the system that you put in place isn't it and an HR person you you were never going to be an HR person 
as good as you are with people, it's much more complicated than that. The interior design of a space can significantly affect your feelings and well-being. Ancora Interiors can help create an environment which reflects the message of your business or design a living space which is a reflection of you, your lifestyle and taste. Providing both e-design and fully-fledged interior design services to suit every budget. Ancora ensure that the look you want becomes a reality using a range of digital visualisation tools to perfect the look of your space before a paintbrush is lifted. Check out AncoraInterior.com for more information or contact us at hello at AncoraInteriors.com for a free consultation. No, totally. But again, you're going back to if you're a small business, you've just relatively recently set up. Do you have the budget for all of these things? Because well, you still uh, you, you go through that phase, don't you? Of are you all things to all people? What what can you bring in as an expertise that you can afford? But you can have a consultant. At the end of the day, you need to form a good foundation for your business to grow on. So if you're if you've not got a, the right accounting system in place or an accountant to advise you, if you haven't got the legal paperwork, you're on dodgy ground. You're on sand. And it's the same with people. People are going to be the biggest asset for your business. Yeah, so you absolutely right. have to make sure, whether you think it is or not, people are, are going to be the successful failure of your business to so make yeah. sure you get expert advice on it. Okay. Um, all right. Question for you both. Are you a good news, bad news person first? Because um, I feel we should do the, the pros and the cons of being a solopreneur. So which, which do we want? Do we want to start on a positive or finish on a positive? Oh, let's finish on a positive. Ooh, okay. So Ishtar's <laughs> shaking her head at that one. You would get the good stuff out of the way. No, I'm saying to get the bad stuff out of the way so we can celebrate the good, yeah. Okay. Oh, right. So challenges. What are the major challenges that you guys face as a solopreneur who should we start with first ladies first perhaps this time sure mental health can we talk about mental health yeah it was a massive struggle although i i think this was exacerbated for me because i started my business two months before lockdown but it was that transition bet- before between having a group of people that you are constantly surrounded by to just being on your own at home working all day I mean what it's it's a big shift um and for me I struggled with that massively and then we got a lot down in March last year and I was a bit like oh crap (laughs) how do I talk to people now so I mean even without that whole lockdown experience I do feel that it is still a big transition and you guys could probably say more about that but maintaining a good mental health when you're going through all of the challenges of wearing your multiple hats having really good days where you get leads having days where you don't get leads having days where you don't get business and that you have quoted for um, having days where customers are complaining about things all of these things really take a knock-on effect on your mental health because I take things I haven't ever taken things massively personal but since I set up my business it's massively personal now because I feel like people attack my baby when they talk about anything or or anything goes wrong and I'm thinking oh man what have I done so for me mental health is something that's really important and I've been much more conscious about since I've started my business but what about you guys yeah 100 percent um I think you started at a very difficult time Ishtar when I started there was no such thing as lockdown or covid or anything like that so we're going back nine and a half years and I knew that for my own sanity if you like um I needed 
a support team around me. I needed to be able to sound off to people or to discuss things with people. And I've never been one for discussing business at home. Uh, I like, do like to keep home conversation and uh, etc separate from uh, fr- from work so i don't offload to to my wife and um, uh, and the kids uh, when they were at home um, but what i did do was join a networking group and i found there people who were in a very similar situation to me some were further down the line Others were approaching it. They were in perhaps Mark's situation, thinking about taking the leap from a, an established company to, uh, <clears throat> to 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 go solo. Um, so there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of uh, support and friendship uh, there, which and you could talk things through with people who knew. And I think that talking is is so important for what you would call your mental health and you didn't yeah. have that you didn't really have that um no. that advantage with uh, well that's why the whole zoom thing and people just jumping onto online networking really helped my mental health during yeah. that period because it's exactly what you said mm-hmm. if i didn't have that outlet of the peer group support which was massively beneficial for my mental health at that time mm-hmm. I, w- I don't know how i would have survived without it no it was it was hugely important what about you mark my biggest issue with the mental health aspect is exhaustion. <laughs> the, it, I think it's fundamental that you have fail-safes in, pre, in place when you're a solopreneur that gives you a check on when you should be working and when you should be switching off, yeah. um, how long you should be working and when you should be resting and recuperating. Because when there is no fail-safes in place, you can quite easily find yourself doing 12, 14-hour days, seven days a week, and not even realise it. Or because you're so ambitious, or because you are so driven, or because you're so enthusiastic, or because you love the job that you do so much, uh, you can easily find yourself doing things when you shouldn't be, and exhaustion just creeps upon you without any warning whatsoever um what i do i love doing i I used to sit and do what i now do for a living at home um after being a lawyer for the day and i actually found it quite therapeutic to code or to design things when i was sitting in front of the telly in the evening and it was almost uh, an outlet for me to relax and decompress even though it was still technically work and so that naturally left me feeling exhausted anyway. Now we do it for a living. It's very easy for me to, to keep doing stuff in front of the telly at 8, 9, 10, 11 o'clock at night um, and not see it as work, but it is work. And I am still physically using my brain and you're physically still doing stuff. So even though it doesn't feel like work, it is. And when you go to bed, you've, of course, got things like the science of how stimulated your brain yeah. is. And therefore, can you get off to sleep or how good quality is that sleep? So when you wake up the next morning, you're not as refreshed, you're a bit more tired, you're a bit more worn down, the cycle repeats. And gradually over time, you become exhausted without even realising it. So um, what what um, things have you put in place to ensure that you are a little bit more balanced then so that that doesn't happen? I'm not sure I have at this moment in time, Okay. if I'm being brutally honest. I think I still work far too many hours and I have far too much on my plate 
that perhaps would make many people probably pass <laughs> pass out with uh, exhaustion just looking at it. You also do a lot of this sort of thing as a pastime, don't you? Yeah. So really, you when you switch off, you do the same thing. I do. I, I, I'm starting to delegate more things, so there's more people who edit the shows that I'm on. Yeah. So I'm not just doing the editing. Uh, there are other people who are contributing to the social media posts for the things I do, so I'm not doing the social media. So I am slowly delegating or releasing the reins of some of that stuff, which then gives me more time, hopefully, to get through the stuff that I otherwise want to get through. Um, and that hope, I'm hopeful over time will reduce that to-do list almost. Yeah. And, but at the at the moment, I'm absolutely. I would be a hypocrite to sit here and say that I have checks and balances in place because I still work too late in an evening. Yeah. And if there's something that needs doing, I will do it on a weekend. And those are things that I am very mindful of the fact that I want to change come sort of the new year. What yeah, about you, yeah. Chris? What checks and balances do you have in place for that I stuff? I have got that under control I was a bit like Mark when I well for the first few years when I started off um, but I now um, force myself not force myself built into my day is an hour and a half maybe two hours where I'll go out cycling and that clears my mind and gives me exercise and um, just helps I think get, and getting out of the environment as well because if you're sitting in uh, in my case, it's a home office. If you're sitting in that home office uh, for eight hours, whatever it might be, um, then you know you do need you do need a bit of a break. Um, and some mornings, I've got I've got early morning commitments, so I have to be uh, up at six thirty to get ready for seven thirty-ish, I suppose, on, on on a couple of occasions each week. And there will be other occasions where I'm off to Manchester, as you know, to do some workshops, and that those can be those can be long days. But you can't get away from long days. It's a matter of controlling the environment. When when you're in the office all the time, all day, it's a matter of just making sure that you do have a break, you do go for a walk, you do clear your mind. Um, so building something like that in is my. Uh, my way of handling it. What about you? Um, I don't know if I've got a massive handle on it. I'm quite. Cl- I, I work weekends regularly when when work requires me to do so. I know we get WhatsApp messages on a Sunday, don't we? we do. Oh, absolutely. Yes, we're well aware you work at the weekends. <laughs> and I'm I'm much more of a. And this goes on to the next topic, which is good about product, which we'll talk about productivity because I'm much more productive first thing in the morning. So I'm a massive early riser. I'll be up at five thirty, get in the gym, do my workout, and be fresh for. 7 seven thirty, and ready to start my day then oh, well i'm very impressed that just but i but doesn't routine, that make you feel totally insignificant? you know come, come six o'clock or seven o'clock i'm done i can't i'm not productive at all after that and i can't i can't work really i will work if i need to work and i've very regularly both in my corporate life and in my um solopreneur life worked past midnight to get a deadline met because i you know that's important but it's not when i'm the most productive and it's not great but yeah um sometimes i'm pretty good at it and sometimes i just know when i need to stop and my brain just can't function at the rate that it's supposed to 
I can't work past six o'clock these days. I mean, it's occasionally, as you say, you might have to, but um, as a general rule, I, I, I've just had it by then. Yeah. Can we talk about productivity and when is our most productive time of the day? Because I think that that is really an important topic. Not a Sunday, <laughs> which is when unlike, it seems to me like you. For me. <laughs> when is your most productive time of the day and how do you stay kind of... Well, I have to contradict Mr Pollard here. I will do two or three hours on a Sunday and those will probably be the most the most productive hours of my week because there's nothing else to interrupt it. I know what I'm going to do. It's basically sorting out mine and, and other people, clients' social media for... Perhaps the next week, perhaps the next fortnight, if I feel, uh, if I feel, in, especially if it's a rainy winter Sunday. Different in the summer, like to get out if it's a nice day, a bit of a barbecue. But a, a, win, a, a winter Sunday where the rain's teeming down, it's quite nice to go and uh, do a few hours, get ahead of the week. And what about you, Mr Pollard? Not Sunday, that's for Ooh, sure. When's your most productive time of the day? I probably find the, the the least productive times are probably a Friday, a Saturday and a Sunday. So in terms of days, Saturday and Sundays, I, I'm, I try not to do work. Or if I do work, it's stuff I have to do that doesn't isn't too challenging. Um, the start of the week, I'm usually really very uh, productive. And morning, I'm good at, I'm better at doing the more challenging stuff, the more intricate stuff, the stuff that requires more brain power. Uh, and in the afternoon, I'm quite happy doing the less mentally challenging stuff and to keep on. So um, designing something is quite a nice afternoon one for me because it's, it's, again, going back to what we said earlier, it's quite therapeutic. I enjoy doing it. So I'm quite happy sitting there and playing around with things and changing colours and drawing shapes yeah. and messing around with images but if i have to do say some the building of a site and there's there's coding involved and there's there's changing settings and trying to figure out how something works um that's a morning job for me mm. uh, yeah, and yeah. and so i suppose mentally i'm more productive in the morning uh, creatively i'm quite happy to remain productive in the afternoon and evening um, but i think because i do so much work in longer hours by sort of Friday, I'm relatively fried, so my productivity is sort of Friday onwards f- reduces. Mm. <laughs> if anyone's trying to get hold of me on a Friday, don't bother. Yeah. Okay, so we've talked about one aspect that might be perceived as a negative thing, which is the mental health thing. And um, what were the other topics that we? Feel potentially the disadvantages of being a solopreneur well, from your guys' perspective. It, it is all those hats, isn't it? Um, and you do have to offload some of those hats. So you you do you do need to find reliable people to outsource work to, like the accountant and the. Um, uh, well, I was going to say marketing person, but um, and the interior designer. But, yeah. But to, to, to make sure your office is comfortable. Absolutely. If you'd like to get in touch. <laughs> yeah, but, yes, but, yes, anyway. Uh, what uh, about the financial pressures? Because that is, yes. is big is one for me. Self employed people, um, you are solely responsible for getting the work in, doing the work, getting the invoices out, chasing the payments. Yeah. And if any of that doesn't function at its full capacity uh, you can find yourself with squeaky bums 
yeah. I mean, it's the scariest thing, really, isn't it? That you are not having a regular paycheck every single month and it is based on you being able to generate leads and convert those leads into a sale. I mean, it's massive. And, and people aren't generally, you know, natural salespeople like me. So I find I really struggle with that part of it. And we aren't natural people for chasing money either. Not at all. Especially the English. Hands up who finds that that embarrassing. Me. Chasing for money that you are actually owed. I know. It's Uh, embarrassing that you're embarrassed about asking for the money. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Or will they be offended? They might take the work off me. Well, you don't want work like that, really, do you? If no. you're waiting for ages and ages uh, for, for, you, for your invoice to be paid. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a sausage machine, really, because you have to get to get the work, you have to invest. Now, sometimes it can be time, but sometimes it has to be a, a financial investment. Yes. Um, and then you've obviously got to try and get the work, convert it into a job, then do the work. Um, there's an awful lot of facets that can go wrong. And... Uh, that's ignoring the fact that every sector has a busy and a quiet period. Yeah. Um, I mean, in the marketing one, I, I tend to find that the the summer quietens down because everyone's on holiday, yeah. so no one's yeah. really bothered. It does sort of build up towards Christmas and then yeah. after Christmas. And it's types of work as well. So in the new year, everyone's got those New Year's resolution yeah. lists. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, I've been meaning to do this for ages. Let's have a redesign. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, And then it sort of tails off as you go towards the summer. So if you're in the summer periods and you're naturally quiet and whether it be you're not getting new work in or you've got work but the people aren't paying you, um, all of a sudden you're you're relying upon the money you've got in the bank to continue to cover your overheads or to pay your bills. Yeah, yeah. So Always needs to be a bit of a cushion there if you can manage it, doesn't it, doesn't it? And the other thing you need, a solopreneur needs to think about is uh, the income tax bill. Um, do you two put uh, put money into a different account on a regular basis to cover the, the income tax bill? I mean, all my businesses are limited companies. Ah, okay. So. Uh, which sort of removes that. I still have to file a personal tax return, um, but... Uh, the limited companies almost act in their own right. Which so you're on PAYE then, are you? Yeah, I mean it's all very well. As the business owner, I can pick and choose what money I take out. So, for example, the drone stuff has dried up during the lockdown period, yeah. so it didn't. You wouldn't be pulling money out of that business yeah. um, because it wasn't generating the income streams that that warranted it really, and so you sort of leave that alone. Um, and it kind of gives you that flexibility, but then again, I, the, the reason why I have that luxury of of not worrying too much about that during that period was because I had other businesses that were doing perfectly fine, and therefore, you, you know, diverse diversification. Yeah, that's a really interesting topic, though, isn't it? Because putting all your eggs in one basket is very, very scary thought especially it is but what i've done is essentially trebled the amount of work i have to do i know but uh, like the lockdown has taught us all about the importance of being able to be flexible and we use the word repeatedly on this podcast about pivoting (laughs) (laughs) and i certainly did that with with what i've done now just to go back to the money thing this is something that the solopreneur really has to consider do they go down the route that you've done mark limited company or 
do they become a sole trader like me? I'm not sure what, what's I'm your state. I'm a limited state? company. You're limited as well. Mm. So I'm, I'm the only sole trader, in which case I file a self-assessment each year. So I have to have, and I'm, I, th- I have, would think quite a few sol- solopreneurs are sole traders as well. Um, I have to put money aside because there was one year where I... Just forgot that I, I, I. Oh, this is great! Look at look at look at look what I'm doing here. And then you got the bill. And, and then the the accountant said, right, well, you need to put X in for January the thirty first, and then there's July the whatever, and uh, and and I'm thinking, where's that going to come from then? <laughs> no. So ever since then, um, I've always, as as I've earned. I've put a percentage into a, into a different account. So come January the thirty first, I've I've got it. Um, uh, I'm not scrabbling around thinking. Hmm. Don't understand that. But I think that's where the uh, benefit of having an accountant on board yes. and having the accountant as one of your key people when you're starting off to help you plan and provision for costs that you will um, inevitably have during the course of your first, you know, period one two three years whatever until you understand what that those costs are is really important because it, it's one of those things that you just don't know what you don't know well it's yeah. like everything you don't know what you don't know but yeah but that comes into finance. the topic we've discussed a couple of times so at 54 and episode five which was networking which we've covered um in terms of the benefits of that to a business as a solopreneur this it's pretty vital i would argue mm. because if you haven't got people in your business who have those expertise and those skill sets and and that knowledge to help you run that business, networks are probably the the closest thing you're going to get to that. Yeah, yeah. and building relationships. Yeah, absolutely. yeah, because that's the hardest part of um, then who you know you've identified the tasks that need to be outsourced from your business. The next biggest task is trying to find someone that you know will work with your best interests and will work well with you how the hell do you find those people and that's the beauty of being able to network with people that you get to build a relationship over a period of time and then choose to work with someone because you actually like them and they resonate with you as opposed to just someone shoving their services down your throat and then because you don't have any other options you just go with that person and then regret it and I know you said that you had an accountant or somebody that you'd used at the beginning and then wholly, you know, didn't... They were woeful. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that, that happens a lot where you've taken a service from somebody but you've not understood the backstory. And I've already built up a load of contacts from a, a building and a property perspective that I don't necessarily use right now, but I know I'm building the relationship with them one, one and a half years down the line so that I can use them when I'm ready to use them. Yeah, good stuff. So it's important to do that as part of networking. As a solopreneur, where do we sit on, literally and metaphorically, where do we sit on where we do our work? (laughs) Is it a home? Is it an office? Is it a mixture of both? Do you find a hot desk? Is it worth investing in an office? Does that provide you with the work-life balance that clearly I miss because I can walk from... Uh, one room into the other and I'm going from my work office to the living room to the bedroom to the kitchen Um, whereas perhaps if I had a a, even a short commute to a separate building you have that switch off time 
So where do we sit on this, guys? Well, do you know what? The, one of the first things I did when I when I became a solopreneur, I didn't realise I was called a solopreneur then. I don't think the word had been coined ten years ago. Um, Is this before uh, or after the war? <laughs> which one? <laughs> um, um, the first thing I did was I thought, I, I'm going to need the discipline of putting a shirt on, putting a suit on, and going out to work in the morning. So I I went and rented myself some desk space at um, Edgerton House over in uh, Birkenhead, which is, they still do it, I think. And that was good from a number of points of view. It enabled me to meet other people. Um, it was inexpensive at the time, or it was affordable to me at the time, so that, that therefore was inexpensive. Um, and it, it, it did give me the discipline of going out. That stopped when I found that I was only using that desk space about um, two half days a week because I was I was out doing um, delivering workshops or I was networking or I was in front of people doing <clears throat> one-to-ones, sales meetings and so on. Um, and I thought, this is silly. What started off as a as very inexpensive desk space, and I did have it 18 months, couple of years, um, has now become very expensive because I'm only using it for a maximum of, uh, of say, seven, seven or eight hours a, a week. So then it became, let's work from home. We had a spare room. Uh, I was fortunate in that respect, and I turned that room into my office, and I've had that ever since. And I don't regret it either. With 22 million UK users, LinkedIn offers a fabulous opportunity to find your ideal clients and to stay ahead of your competition. But what do these future clients currently find when they visit your profile? First impressions count. So, are you proud of your fantastic profile because it is client ready and written with them in mind? Or do you look at it and wonder how you could do better because you are not generating leads? My Marketing Guy works with those who want to take advantage of the amazing potential offered by LinkedIn. So, for more details, please email guy at mymarketingguy.co.uk to arrange an initial consultation. Remember, your next client is on LinkedIn. Okay, what about you? Well, look, not everybody has the luxury of having a spare room that they can turn into no. an office. And this is a topic that I've been addressing from an interior design perspective. Oh, shameless plug, Chris. And Cora Interiors, give me a call. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it is something that everybody's going through now because lots of companies are um, you know, making people work from home now more permanently. So, you know, when you don't have that dedicated space in your house to dedicate to work and you've got to do it from the living room or you're still operating from the kitchen table or in a bedroom I mean it is difficult to separate work life from from that perspective and I think for me I need to monitors from a practical perspective because of the type of work that I do so I can't find that if I'm hot desking necessarily can I can I just tell everyone at one point I had four monitors oh you little geek four monitors <laughs> I didn't actually I actually got rid of one at one point because I, I realised I didn't need four on the same desk Mark or on four different desks no no it was all on one desk four I had a big long desk so you're like a pilot Mark <laughs> so basically I had three screens and, and it was it was fantastic and I love it and I would do it again I've, I've, I've settled now to just having my laptop and, and a nice I'd, I'd have a nice big screen yeah but like I think that your setup and how you work it, 
kind of predetermines where you can work so I think working from home a few days a week is great because I have that ability to then work in a, in a way that I like and I like the fact that I'm not bothered by anybody but I do find it difficult to separate work life so if I can change it up and go and work in a coffee shop or actually there's a lot of banks that provide hot desk in space for small yes, businesses yeah. Lloyd's TSB do it Virgin Money do no, it no I did not know um, that there are organisations that provide hot desk in space for free so if you are a small business and you want to just have that separate workspace or at least for a couple of days if not every day then go and find out like which organizations that support small businesses or run small business um related courses offer that kind of support but change it up that's the point i think for me and that's beneficial for the way that i work what about you mark i I, yeah it's you know I'm, i'm torn there is an overhead to having an office yeah and i think it is a big commitment that you have to make I sort of like the idea of sharing an office space with someone, uh, almost essentially splitting the costs with people, but then you have to tolerate other people, which is easier said than done. And I don't mean that in a mean way, but that they're coming and goings, if they've got meetings, if they're in a chatty mood and you're not, you've got stuff to do. There are some fundamental challenges that you would face doing that. Having an office for my just myself, I've had a couple of offices with my previous business and uh, they were great for having that work-life separation and I was very happy having it but um, having our work from home I'm perfectly fine doing it and would actually be perfectly fine continuing to do it save it makes it a bit more difficult for me to separate my work-life mentality Um, I need to find a way of, of switching that off um, I'm quite happy working. I, I think the biggest challenge for me from working from home is the internet speed. Um, That's because you live in the middle of Well, I know nowhere. that, but, but actually what I would recommend is if people are going to work from home that they get a business internet system yeah, set up. Yeah, yeah, good advice. So yeah. a lot of people will use their home broadband for their business purposes, but actually what you can do is you can say to the likes of BT if they'd like to be a sponsor of the show, uh, I'm, I want a business internet set up for this and there's a number of thing, benefits that I, I understand obviously if anyone's an IT orientated they'd perhaps correct me if I'm wrong but my understanding is for example if there is a a big usage of internet so the lockdown's a great example when everyone was locked in their houses yeah. the internet was just getting absolutely bombarded with demand because people couldn't go anywhere so everyone's getting streamed all the, all the kids were homeschooling yeah, exactly. as well but businesses get priority on the bandwidth Mm. to keep the economy going and therefore by virtue of the fact that it's a business account you would be getting a better broadband speed um, because you're a business yeah brilliant tip that and and so and that for for my business that's quite important because i deal with some pretty heavy files whether it be video or audio or art files and as a part and parcel of a business security from a solopreneurship perspective I back everything up on the cloud but I have to upload it to the cloud in order for that to be the case and therefore I'm reliant upon good internet in order to be able to do that Mm. yeah yeah so yeah I'm I'm sort of talking if you can afford an office I I would recommend having an office because I do think there's a lot of benefits but 
if you're in that grey area, if you're not sure your business is quite profitable enough to justify those overheads or you're not ready to commit it or actually you can't afford it, I wouldn't worry one iota. There's lots of things you can do by speaking to Ancora Interiors uh, to set up your house in such a way where you have a clearly defined work area that or seek out those free spaces, like I said, like I mentioned, that the, are wholly available that the, people don't know about. The one thing I would highly recommend is if you are going to work from home, um, have yourself a business address. Don't use your home address as your business address, because from a purely privacy point of view, people can Google your home address. They can. Um, uh, <laughs> they, they, good luck finding me. <laughs> well, yes, yes, quite right. But but it but it just adds a level of privacy if you if you have a, an accommodation address, which uh, and they're freely available. I use one in Wallasey. Um, but uh, but they're they're freely available. You can get them in Liverpool. You can get them in all the major cities and towns. Accommodation addresses where your mail will go to, uh, and they'll forward it on to you for. Uh, and lots of accountants actually offer that as do. part of their services. So I they use do. my accountant's address for yep. that. Yeah, yeah, they do. Can we talk about some of the nice things about being a solopreneur? Well, I feel we yeah go on. But you get to be flexible. Oi, oi. <laughs> bend whichever way you want to bend. Oi, oi. <laughs> but it's, it, that's the beauty. Shall I leave the room? <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, that's one of the be- beautiful things about being an, on- an entrepreneur, but a solopreneur particularly, because you get to pick and choose when you need to have family time or when you need to get some other things done. And then if you need to work late that particular night or over a weekend, then you get to do that. And I think that that's such a positive thing if, if you know, your personal circumstances need you to be, you know, in certain places at certain times or have certain responsibilities. So I think that's a big plus. I think if you're self-driven, Chris, if you're ambitious on your own back, there's nothing more exhilarating than being your own boss. No. No. Because you can do what you want, when you want, if you want, how you want. There's no checking with somebody to make sure it's okay. There's no um, arguing with somebody over how it should be done. No. It is you. It is you. And in the early days of solopreneurship, I can remember... Were you arguing with yourself in the mirror? Well, on (laughs) on a few occasions... Yeah, the boss was horrible. Uh, (laughs) I, uh, I can remember on a few occasions going off for a game of golf and feeling guilty um, because I wasn't back in the office doing the stuff that uh, that I should have been should have been doing uh, as you say you, you catch up on that by by working through the evening so there was no need for me to feel like that but I did have you have you ever has that ever oh I, I feel guilty all the time with with not doing stuff but I then a bit like you, you you balance it out. So it, it's just good, like traveling. So um, when I'm employed, when when you I've been employed, I've had to say I've had to tell people where I'm going and why, how long I'm going to be. And when you're out, you're wondering whether they think you you're skiving, even though it's a meeting. So the meeting's booked in in your diary for an hour, but it overruns because actually it turns out it's a great meeting. You get loads done and you're building some great relationships. So you come back to the office two hours late and you're wondering whether someone's been looking at the clock going, hmm, he was out a bit longer than uh, he was supposed to be. And you don't have any of that. It's like, 
if I want to sit and have a two-hour meeting with someone. In fact, if halfway through the meeting I think, sod this, uh, I fancy spending the rest of the afternoon with these people because they're great fun, um, I can. Yeah, yeah. I just can. And, and, and it's a wonderful freedom to have. In fairness, I never, ever had a boss that... Um that doubted what well, I was I doing. Well, I didn't, but I think it was my personal so it was conscience your, your, your that own, was doing. Your yeah, own guilt. Yeah, I, yeah. I never had that when when I was a lawyer working for the company I worked for until I because I only worked for one company before I sure. went self-employed, and they were great. I mean, to be perfectly frank, they didn't care less what I did as long as the work was done and the money was coming That's in. That's the point. They couldn't yeah. have cared less, so yeah. they were great. Uh, the other people I worked for, I think, were a bit more that way inclined. Mm-hmm. Um, they probably wouldn't have said it, and largely because when I joined them, I set out what what my stance was in terms of my freedoms to come and go, yep. um, and 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 what have you. So I guess, but with both those companies, I was very conscious about m- making sure people knew I was still working and working hard yeah even though i was and even though i had no need to, to justify it i think i still did which is why i think self-employment was always best for me as a personal yeah perspective yeah. because you don't need you're only justifying it to yourself and mm-hmm. that's a lot more simpler in my head mm. what about you ish um quick decisions because that used to drive me insane in a corporate world there was always so much red tape and decisions were sometimes take forever to do and now if I want to buy a goat tomorrow I'll buy a goat for the business okay random thing to buy (laughs) I think the other thing that probably irritates me about the decision making process is that if I decide I want to buy a goat and I actually think that buying that goat why, why on earth are we talking about goats I don't know I mean, you've been in Dubai. I mean, I'd I'd like to say that this is from your time in Dubai, but you were dealing with some big corporate entities. I'm not sure goats was on their shopping list. No, we Um, never did that in exchange for a car ever. Yeah. uh, Well, okay. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, sometimes marketing is a great idea. So, yeah, having a conversation about how to generate more work of, say, a particular type, and you come up with what you feel is the best solution to that problem. Yeah. But if you you have to go to a boss and they decide that your idea isn't the best and that their ideas, I used to find that incredibly frustrating because mm-hmm. I'm sitting there going, you're expecting me to l- deliver on this, but you're not letting it do, you're not letting me do it yeah, my yeah. way. Um, it almost felt like you were being handcuffed. Yeah, you know, there was a hand being tied behind your back that would enable you to do. Yeah, not nice. That job. Whereas you don't have that problem, do you? So not only have you not got the red tape, but if you think this is the best option... Yeah, you can do it. You You can pivot as quickly as you want to pivot. You can control the quality of the outputs. You can basically all of the profit that you make is yours. Absolutely. You're earning all your money and your boss isn't taking half of it. You can even choose the name of the goat. Indeed. (laughs) And, which is another good thing. I mean, you get to learn... At loads more than what you walk into as a, as a solopreneur, right? So, like, now, I know more about bookkeeping than I've ever known in my life. 
And I think that that's a great thing because you, when I hire a bookkeeper, I'll know what to look out for. You're absolutely right. And that's one thing we haven't touched on today. It's all the new skills that you pick up yes. for, uh, as a solopreneur. Yeah. And that, that's a good example. Too of many to like, I, I feel like my brain exploded in the last two years with all the new stuff that I've learned. And I feel so much more knowledgeable about the business life not you know I'm still growing my business and I hope to grow it to a to a size that like I'm proud of but like the amount of stuff that I now know is like tremendous and that's a massive thing I I I, I don't want to sound like I'm blowing me on trumpet but when I come across or have conversations with people who are employed um like my sister for example um brilliant at what she does but because she's been employed all her her adult life when we have conversations my knowledge and my skill sets are vastly superior and i don't mean that to sound yeah no 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 correct did your sister listen to the pod probably not <laughs> but I, and, and and that's not to say she can't do an amazing thing with no, her it's job a different perspective, but yeah. she will need a lot more support from a lot more people to get answers to a lot more questions than i do yeah. because i've had to do these things myself i've had to learn what they are at, at, at one point i was very much in her say in yeah, the same shoes yeah, as yeah. her yeah but I'm now, so accounting, I understand P&L and balance sheets. I understand about invoicing. I understand about when things need to be filed. I understand the difference between the different company entities. Yeah. Uh, I understand about how to build a website. I understand about brand importance. I understand all the different facets of marketing. Absolutely. I understand about HR. There, there, is, there is a, a, a wide yeah. number of skill sets, yeah. which in terms of being employable, the number of jobs that I could probably try and Walk get now. Yeah. because when I because when I'm walking in I'm now let's say I go back to the legal world god forbid um, and I, I walk up to a law firm and they're saying can you do the job as a lawyer I go yeah here's my qualifications here's my experience and they'll go okay and then I'll go but also I've run the business I've hired staff I've interviewed staff I've on the cash flow analysis of, yeah. and you start reeling all these things all of a sudden you're not just the a lawyer, lawyer. Nope. you're much more valuable as an asset you yeah. are so much more valuable um, and and that gives me a great level of pride it makes me feel a lot more intelligent than perhaps I actually am <laughs> um, don't put yourself down Mark <laughs> it makes me useful I am I am what, what those um, pen knife that you know the Swiss oh, army yes, knife yes, I'm a, I'm Swiss a Swiss army, army knife, knife yeah. of an employee and you do were get, I to do that yeah you do get to that point as a solopreneur that you do end up having so many more skills and stuff and that is the biggest beauty and the other beauty is that like the three of us we now are three friends all solopreneurs who share knowledge with each other yeah, every yeah. single yeah every other week and you constantly are meeting other solopreneurs who are also learning new things and sharing information i mean i had a meeting this morning with a with a good friend who is also a solopreneur and he shared some information that's new to my industry and i was like great okay so i've just added another bit of information to my bow that is the beauty of being a solopreneur and knowing other solopreneurs and there's so much let me make this abundantly clear there is so much for me still to learn every day i learn something new it's for all of us mark but it's amazing but it's amazing yeah. learning it and i go oh let's put it in that already full room of skills and 
it can sit there until I need it next. And when someone asks me a question, I can be the smart one as opposed to opening my mouth on a general basis and sounding quite to the contrary. Yeah. In today's world, there is a danger of complete information overload because you can have access to almost anything you want, can't you? Yeah. Want to know X, Y, Z? Okay, first of all, go on to YouTube. Um, then look into it a bit deeper, Google it, and so on and so forth. You, 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 your ability to learn is only limited by your ability to learn. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, it's, it's uh, an amazing time that we're all living in at the moment. And I suppose, the have you got any more positive? Because I was going to say sort of the final one is that the wonga you make, I mean, we were saying about all the headaches of the financial stresses, but when you make that dollar dollar, it's your dollar dollar. Oh, I think Ishtar's already touched on that. I yes. did say. Oh, did you? But you can have it. I'm going to have it you. anyway, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'll give you both. The well, I, I, on the basis I'm a solopreneur, I don't even have to share the pros and the cons that you two are coming up with. I'm just going to claim them as my own. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, you're in, you're in charge of your destiny at the end of the day. So there's something quite very rewarding and very and and like if you become successful and you get the projects that you want to get or you dish the projects that you don't really like and your boss used to give you because he had to give it to you, then there's something really beautiful about that too. So all, all flexibility. That's the biggest advantage of the the lot, isn't it? Okay, so um, to round this up, uh, what would be the key tip? that you would give to someone who is either considering becoming a solopreneur or has just decided to pitch up? Let's start with you, Mr. Oxborough. Make sure you get a good night's sleep. <laughs> That's Seri- a very, seriously. No, I, I, I laugh, but you, you're absolutely right. Yeah, no, that wasn't meant as a flippant, uh, flippant piece of advice because everything flows from a good night's sleep. You make better decisions, you're fresher, you're uh, you're more accurate in your work and it's all together better for your mental health as well brilliant that's an excellent one ish be aware that there's a lot of organizations helping small businesses for free and you have to really google uh, you know to find if they'd these... like to be a sponsor of the show <laughs> go fish the podstation.co.uk yeah but like people like the women's organization who we've met at pre- previous um exhibitions um universities like manchester metropolitan university in liverpool john moores and the university of liverpool who we've all been all met university of lancaster um all have programs to help entrepreneurs one manchester provide free training um people plus enterprise provide free training so just engage and 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 the banks as well are providing free training so really get on places like eventbrite and search for these free courses and organizations that will help you in your journey and and most importantly listen to go fish because we do this because of the love of paying it forward and you know we have got good tips and advice and there's 56 episodes now so get on it <laughs> quite this, right. this has been quite a serious one, hasn't it? It has indeed. Um, it's a serious topic, though. It isn't is a it? serious topic. It's a huge step it's, to take. Yeah, yeah. It is a big step going from the corporate life to solopreneur life. But it, I mean, would we would we take that step again if we were if we were to do it again? Would well, you leave totally. The corp- I, I was going to give my tip. Oh, sorry. No, sorry, no one cares sorry, about sorry. my tip. No, you're all right. <laughs> Or Sorry, Pollock. I've Go got ahead. nothing to add to this conversation. <laughs> My bad. Go I, ahead. I would say that the 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 irony of the topic that we're discussing, uh, it's important to remember you're not on your own. 
you might be a solopreneur, but actually it sort of ties in a bit with what you said. There are networks you can build where you can get access to information. There are, whether it be staff that you then employ or whether it be contractors and, and freelancers that you uh, work with yeah. and collaborate with, it doesn't always have to be you and just you all the time. No. I think that's quite key. You can be friends with people. Yes. And they'll help you. Yes. Oh, would we do it again? Would you do it again? Would you do it again? Let's start with you, Mark, because you were the last. <laughs> would you do it again? Would you leave your corporate job and be a solopreneur? Yeah. Why? I think so. I'd probably do things slightly differently, but that's the benefit of hindsight, experience, and all those skill sets I've mentioned that I now understand. If I was armed with the same information I am now and go back to right back to when I first took the step out in 2010, um, yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't with any hesitation. And I think, yeah, do you know what? The answer is just yes. Uh, the benefits I've enjoyed from the the ups and the downs, the pros and the cons are well worth what I've put myself through. Yeah, yeah. Chris? Yes, I'd do it again. Um, <clears throat> absolutely. I've, I've enjoyed it. I have had the uh, the freedom and the flexibility that we've all, all spoken about over these last 10 years. And uh, yes, I would do it again. And you? I think I'm a little bit on the fence because I'm still maybe a bit new. So I feel like if I had the option to maybe partner with somebody, I would probably like to partner with somebody if I found somebody that I would mesh well with. Um, but in the absence of that, corporate life versus entrepreneur life or solopreneur life, I would choose solopreneur life because I like to be responsible for my own destiny. I mean, that, that, that was actually an interesting question that opened up and popped into my head and you kind of answered it already. It was the question of, could you go back from being a solopreneur to be an employee, if if your hand, even if your hand was forced, so to speak, I, I couldn't go back to being employed because I think I'm probably now unemployable um, because I'm so used to working on my own for myself and having that freedom and flexibility that you inevitably don't have as an employee. I think I'm the same, and. and I think if needs must, I would just have to get over that. But it would be it'd be a massive mountain to climb, trying to change your mentality of having to pull up with the red tape, having not been able to make the decisions, being told where you have to go and when you have to do it. Um, I could see you being sacked quite quickly, actually, because you you wouldn't like policy about this and that. And well, that. I, th I think I, I would. I would. I, I absolutely take everything you say. I think I'm. I'm probably a double-edged sword. If if you leave me to my own devices, you'll probably get everything that you want and way more. If you want someone who you want to control and micromanage, then yeah, I probably last about five minutes. And so it very much would depend on being able to find a company that allows me to function in that capacity as opposed to the other. Yeah. If anyone's out there, <laughs> <laughs> let me know. I'll put you on the uh, just in case list. <laughs> oh, have, have we done this topic? I, I feel we, we've we've covered some pretty good stuff. Yeah, that yeah, was a good session. Yeah. Okay. Well, if you think that we've missed anything, or if you would like to tell us your stories, share with us your experiences. 
then email gofish at thepodstation.co.uk or get in touch with us on the social medias. We'd love you to give us a review. That'd be much appreciated. Yeah. Um, check out all the other previous episodes because there's loads of stuff there to help you solopreneurs, your entrepreneurs or general business owners, employees, students or otherwise, really. Um, Mr. Oxborough. I suppose we should, on the basis we're talking about solopreneurship, uh, we should let people know what where they can find us and how they can get in touch with our individual businesses. What a very good idea. <clears throat> well, I'm on all the, the usual uh, social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Um, just look for my marketing guy, you'll find me. Um, if you want to email me, and I'd love an email from you, the address is guy at mymarketingguy.co.uk. Please note there are two G's in the middle of my marketing guy because sometimes people leave one G out. And what about you, Ish? Um, you can find me on Instagram, Facebook and LinkedIn under Ancora Interiors or search for me on LinkedIn at Ishtar Ali. And there's only one of me, so you won't miss me. <laughs> and Funky Vibes. We're on all socials. Check out funkyvibes.co.uk or email us at f- info at funkyvibes.co.uk. Simple as. Cool. Very good. Guys, thank you very much. It's been great. Pretty good. Thank you. Get social at Go Fish Podcast on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter.